Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, we're going to vote on our midseason NHL awards. All-Star Weekend is coming to Toronto. We've got our preview. And live from St. Louis, we've got Blues site editor Luke Horak on the hottest team in the Central. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. What's up, hockey fans? Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. I'm Michael Trakos. With me, as always, is Ryan Kennedy. How you doing there, Ryan? Pretty good. How's it going? Doing all right. We've got a fun episode today. You know, mm-hmm. the All-Star break is coming up. Uh, we're in Toronto. All the All-Stars are going to be coming here, which kind of signals we're at the halfway point of the season. Mm-hmm. So why don't we give us our midseason awards? Let's do, do it. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the heart, which is, you know, not the easiest this year. It's true. There's a good little cohort at the top there. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'm going to ask you, who do you got for the heart right now? And we're talking midseason, so a lot can change in the second half. Sure, but I, for me, it's Nathan McKinnon in Colorado, one of the top scorers in the league. Obviously, he's had those wicked point streaks going on, particularly at Ball Arena at home in Colorado. And I, I just think that, you know, the Avs, they're on a mission. Oh, yeah. you know, they lose in the first round last year to Seattle uh, after winning the Stanley Cup. You know they want to go deep once again, maybe even get the Cup again. Um, and I think McKinnon has obviously been the driving force there. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Kale McCarr when the Norris comes <laughs> up, but the front runner, at least for me, is McKinnon. Yeah, you got to remember, like, Gabe Landeskog is not on the team right now. I know yeah. he's practicing and traveling with the team, but he hasn't been there all year. So right. more pressure is on McKinnon and Rantanen and Makar, and I love that pick. Uh, for me, and this one's probably going to change in the second half depending on what the team does, but I love Nikita Kucherov. Mm. Um, I was looking at the stats before we jumped on. 32 goals, 85 points in 49 games. Like, those are almost end-of-season totals, right? Right, right. Like, it's insane. And the only caveat is that the Tampa Bay Lightning are not having a typical Lightning-type season. Yeah. Right now, they're jockeying for a wild-card spot, which is kind of... Yep, maybe predictable based on, you know, Boston's having a great season. Um, Florida. Florida, you know, go to the final. They haven't lost a step. And then Toronto's right behind them. But, you know, Tampa's right there with Detroit and some other teams for that wild card spot. But I love the play of Kucherov. Like, the one thing that you could probably quibble with is he's only a plus five and you're mentioning that like that's recent yeah Yeah, he was a minus player for most of the season but you know if Tampa Bay does secure a playoff spot I think a lot of voters like say Kucherov wins the Art Ross yeah then I think you'll see a lot of voters say well you know his team made the playoffs it wasn't a sure thing he was driving them you know he was the guy putting up all the points and you know I mean Tampa Bay 
maybe things have kind of worked against some of their players in the past in terms of hard consideration because they've had so many mm -hmm. top-end guys. You know, Victor Hedman obviously has a Norris. Um, and, you know, Stamkos has Rocket Richards. Yeah. But, you know, maybe because you have those guys and you have Braden Point and obviously Kucherov and you got Vasilevsky in net, I don't know if that's maybe, you know, hindered some hard consideration for Bolt's players over the years just because they've always had guys around them, whereas maybe, you know, you look, and, and I'll toss him into the hard conversation right now, a Connor McDavid, yes, Leon Dreisaitl mm -hmm. uh, is also there in Edmonton, and Dreisaitl has a hard trophy himself. But, you know, you look at McDavid and steadily creeping up. Oh, I know. Top five in points now after that really bad start, and he was banged up, you know, with injuries. But Edmonton now, obviously, they have the huge win streak going. They look like a pretty solid playoff team at this point. I don't think there's any fear about the Oilers missing anymore, whereas for the first couple of months of the season, it was looking pretty dicey there. But I would still have McKinnon over McDavid, because if you look at points per game, McKinnon still better. Yep. Um, but I could definitely see, again, I could definitely see voters say, well, when they needed McDavid, he was there for them. Uh, another second-half consideration, I'm throwing Austin Matthews in there. Totally. Um, this guy's going to get 60. He might get 70 goals this yeah. year. If he does, I think he's definitely going to get in the top three. Um, and one other dark horse candidate, let's not forget about David uh, Pasternak. Very true. Um, Boston Bruins, I don't know where they would be if he wasn't scoring the way he is. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Norris, which mm -hmm. is maybe the tightest two-man race. I don't even know if there's a third guy in there, but who do you like for the Norris right now if we're talking midpoint? Yeah, so obviously the two are Quinn Hughes and Cam McCarr. Uh, I'm still going Quinn Hughes right now. I've just been so impressed with how he has helped the Canucks become what they have been so far this season. I will toss a dark horse out here because you're right. You're going dark horse, okay. I, I'm going to toss one out because Hughes and McCarr, I mean, those are the top two. Mm -hmm. Noah Dobson with oh, the yeah. Islanders, second in average ice time, 25.59. So he's playing 26 minutes a night for the Islanders. Only Drew Doughty on the Kings has more. He's at 26.03 right now. But Noah Dobson putting up a bunch of points, playing a ton of minutes. And you do have to say, like, where, and you know, the Islanders, they're not in a great spot right now, but where would they be without Noah Dobson? So I'll just I'll t toss that out there. Yeah, yeah. Is he the guy that I was saying is going to be on Team USA, even though he's Canadian? It probably was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like Noah Dobson. Um, I like. Quinn Hughes uh, right now. Um, that being said, we're seeing this PDO um, uh, in Vancouver. Like, right. The stats are kind of coming down to earth a bit, mm -hmm. so I wonder. I think Quinn Hughes is still going to put up a ton of points where he's still going to be either one or two in that voting. Yeah. Um, but that's the one consideration where I'm going, hmm, I, I think Kale McCarr might be he might get the, the raw runner. totals in the end. And there's still that feeling, like, when you're talking about who the best defenseman is, if mm. you're starting a franchise right now, you ask 10 people, I think nine of them, maybe even all 10, are going to say Kale McCarr. He's the f best defenseman since Bobby Orr. That, you know, that's a fair point. Well, I'll, talk, I'll toss Nick Lidstrom in there as well, if yeah. we're talking all time. But, I mean, Kale and McCarr. how many did he win in a row? He won quite a few. Yeah, yeah, so maybe this is the run where you're going, you know, Kale McCarr, if he's... 20, 30 years from now, we're looking back at this era of hockey. Mm. 
you want to look at Kale McCarr and go, wow, he won seven Norris trophies. Yeah, I will say in this era, at least, with voting, the Norris does feel like the trophy where guys get their turn. Totally. You know, where it's like, okay, well, Eric Carlson's got a couple now. Hedman's, you know, he got his. Subban got one. Subban got one. McCarr has his. Adam Fox has one. Quinn Hughes does not have one yet. Mm -hmm. So is this the year that, you know, Quinn Hughes deserves it, but he also doesn't have one yet. So maybe that's an advantage. Uh, a guy who I could see finishing third also, Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. That's an interesting one. Yeah, maybe doesn't get enough love these days. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the Vezina. A uh, wide open race in my mind, but, you know, I'm going to start things off. We're just talking about the Winnipeg Jets. Mm -hmm. Where would the Winnipeg Jets be, Ryan, if they did not re-sign Connor Hellebuck last summer and if he wasn't putting up the totals that he's putting up? Like, best goalie in the world right now. What do yeah. you think? I totally agree with you. And if you look at goal saved above expected... Connor Halebuck is light years ahead of the competition. So right there, you can say it's a direct correlation. You know, would Winnipeg be a wildcard team if they, they had they just a, a replacement a, goalie? I was going to say, are they a bad team without Halebuck? I don't think they're a bad team, but I think they would be just kind of a good team versus a very good team without Halebuck. Because as you mentioned, you know, Josh Morrissey, you know, Kyle Connor, you know, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, like they've got guys. Got pieces there. They got pieces. Colfer Perfetti. Cole Perfetti has been excellent for them, yeah. Mm. Um, I would say that the other really solid candidate would be Thatcher Demko in Vancouver, mm -hmm. another guy who, where I think he's second in goals saved above expected. If he's not second, no, he is second. And then it goes Aiden Hill in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and again, I'll toss out a dark horse just for the fun of it, yeah. Connor Ingram in Arizona. Oh, a guy that's not even really, in a playoff spot now. They aren't, and that would be the sort of like fly in the ointment. But again, his goal saved above expected is pretty wild. How about Cam Talbot? The way the Kings are playing now, yeah, they're kind of they're almost with Arizona at this point. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, let's talk. But about he was good. And then Jeremy Swayman. Um, yep, he's been holding down the fort. It, it, it is an interesting one, but yeah, I think Hell. Now, Connor Hellebuck right now, he, he is the, the favorite. It feels like it's almost a lock at this point. Yeah, and a, and a lot can change in the second half. You know, goaltending is so fickle. You mentioned Aiden Hill. Mm -hmm. I'm almost waiting for that one to kind of, like, the bloom to kind of fall off. But at the same time, you look at that Vegas defense, it's not too hard to be Aiden Hill right now. Right. So, yeah. We are going to continue with our midseason awards spectacular, as it would be. Moving on right now, Mike, the Calder Trophy. This is something we've talked about a couple of times. And uh, a couple of young guys on our recent cover, our rookie issue, maybe in the mix. Uh, but the Wild Boys. The Wild Boys, that's right. Uh, Marco Rossi and Brock Faber in Minnesota. But obviously, the conversation begins with the currently injured Connor Bedard. Yeah, I think we're talking, this is midseason. Um, so up until this point, I don't think there's been a better rookie in the NHL than Connor Bedard. Um, obviously, the injury sort of changes things as mm -hmm. we look ahead to the second half, but you know, he's scoring. Um, we talked about it numerous times. He was on pace for one of the better rookie seasons uh, of a number one pick since, I think, Austin Matthews and like the Connor McDavid era. So, you know, for me, um, you take away the you know the broken jaw, and obviously, we're going to be talking Connor Bedard even more, but. Um, even with the injury, um, he's still the point leader, is he not? Right now he is, and Adam Fantilli just got hurt in Columbus. Not sure how many games he's going to miss yet, but that will sort of help Bedard's cause. Marco Rossi creeping up on him. Um, 
It is going to be interesting because you're right. First half, yeah, Connor Bedard. Second half, it really depends on how many games he plays yeah. and how quickly he can get up to speed once he returns. So it will be an interesting race because Brock Faber obviously playing a ton of ice time yeah. for Minnesota on the defense and getting very good results as well. He's getting points. He's preventing goals. So it's not just a matter of him being thrown to the wolves. He's doing very well on defense in big minutes as well. One dark horse candidate I'm going to mention, the St. Louis Blues goalie, uh, Joel Hoffer. Um, I don't know what the Blues' second half is going to look like, but if they end up as a you know, wildcard team mm-hmm. or even a top three team in the Central and Hoffer is taking away some games from Jordan Bennington, he's going to get a lot of love in the second half. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Uh, let's move on to other people who are good at not giving up goals. The Selkie Trophy for the best defensive forward. Uh, Patrice Bergeron cannot win it this year because he <laughs> no longer plays hockey. He might get a couple of votes. You never know. But I guess they would disqualify those ballots. So, uh, With Patrice Bergeron out of the game, who will win the award that, let's face it, may be renamed the Patrice Bergeron Award in the coming years? It should be renamed the Patrice Bergeron Award, but this year it's going to belong to Sean Couturier. Uh, you know, the Flyers are a playoff team, and when you look at why they're a playoff team and you know how they've gotten that way, you look at their PK. Uh, one of the worst penalty kills last season. This year, it's doing extremely well. I don't know I have the numbers in front of me, but um, this is a team that, you know, is a defensively substantially better team, mm-hmm. and yet the goaltending is not kind of carrying the day in the same way that the Winnipeg Jets have been kind of relying on Connor Hellebuck. So mm-hmm. I like Sean Couturier here in this spot. Obviously, he's going to get a lot of competition from some, you know, some of the usual candidates, whether it's Andrzej Kopitar, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Sasha Barkov, but who, who do you like, Ryan? Yeah, I got a couple of candidates. Barkov is one of them. He's only been on the ice for 14 five-on-five goals against this season. That's wow. a great total. Um, a couple of other ones that are pretty interesting interesting to me. Sidney Crosby. Uh, I love that pick, by the yeah, way. Yeah, again, going with five-on-five goals for versus against, he's got a really good ratio there. And... I think we've talked about this in the past, or we've heard about it in the past. That's an award Crosby would like to win. Yeah. He, you know, he's very invested in the defensive side of his game. Obviously, he's a great offensive player, but we know he is one of the probably best two-way players ever. And yet, because of that Bergeron dominance, and then Kopitar as well, Crosby doesn't have a sell. For some reason, because Crosby's always been in the mix for the Art Ross you never think of him as a defensive forward, right. but it's a travesty that he's never really been kind of up for consideration. It's true, yeah, because he's very deserving. And, and hey, maybe this year with the field a little more open, people see that lane for Crosby because he certainly has the numbers to back it up. Another name I'll toss out there is Zach Hyman in Edmonton. Ooh. Again, you look at a player where five on five, goals for, goals against, he's got a great ratio. And you know we know over the years, this is a guy that, has you know defensive acumen and you know he can play a physical game as well so for me Zach Hyman he's an all-around player and the numbers bear it out that he's having a great season defensively as a forward on top of obviously putting up a lot of points as well and that's the thing you have to either score a ton of goals like Ryan Kessler when he won it I think he had he had 50 goals that year something like that uh, or 30 goals at least 
Um, you got to score a lot of goals, and you've got to be defensively responsible, obviously. Right, yeah. It but tends it, to go to an elite player. Be, yeah, yeah it, that, You can't just be a third liner. Right, yes. Yeah, it's not just a PK award, no. as it would be. Uh, moving on to the Jack Adams. So, coach of the year. And this is one that we do not vote on. Uh, just broadcasters. Just broadcasters. But who do you think should win the Jack Adams? You know what? Not a day goes by without seeing a John Tortorella clip. Um, the Flyers, again, they're a top three team in the heavily contested Metro. Mm-hmm. So I love uh, Torts for this pick. Um, usually you say, you know, find me a good coach and I'll, you know, I'll show you a really good goaltender. Right. Um, I think that's true in Vancouver. I think that's true in Winnipeg. With Philadelphia, I think Torts has just implemented uh, a real you know, culture there. Yeah. And he's much deserving. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I like Torts as well. Uh, I do like Rick Tockett, even though he has Thatcher Demko, uh, just because structurally we've seen Vancouver make some strides. Uh, Rick Bonus is somebody that came up before we came on the air, uh, looking at Winnipeg. And again, Connor Hambuck's there, but just you know what Rick Bonus has been able to do with his squad. And I do feel like, again, any Rick Bonus team is one that you do not want to face in the first round of the playoffs. No, no, no. Because they can lock it down (laughs) and they can grind it out. Uh, And then Jim Montgomery in Boston, another name we talked about before the show, where they are once again a top team despite losing their best two centers in Bergeron and Krejci. And they've had some injury woes. Not to have Linus Allmark there. I can't even say the name, but uh, (laughs) not to have uh, one of your top goaltenders um, there and you know the Patra rating missed, winner Patra missed some time as yep. well. Um, it's going to be a real interesting uh, race. And further to Rick Bonus, um, I know he had to step away um, to be with his wife, mm-hmm. but that is a testament to kind of what he's implemented there, where he can step away and the team didn't miss a beat. Right. So right yeah. on. All right, and then real quickly, the Lady Bing. I know you wanted to get this one in, so who do you like for the big? The most important of the awards, let's, let's face it. Um, I like Austin Matthews. He's taken, what, two penalties this year. I like Morgan Riley. I think he's taken, like, four penalties this year. Mm. Um, it seems like there's a trend these days, Ryan, where, you know, the Lady Bing has almost become the Selkie for defensemen. Right. So if you're a defensive defenseman or, you know, you're playing big minutes and you don't allow a lot of penalties, you're yep. going to get some love a la Jacob Slavin. Yep, very true. Uh, quickly, I'm going to go with Noah Cates with Philly. Uh, again, I don't think he's taken any penalties this year. Uh, and he's a defensive forward. And then Kyle Connor only has uh, one minor penalty, and he's obviously an elite player. We're going live to St. Louis where we've got Blue site editor Lou Korak. How you doing there, Lou? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing all right. And uh, the Blues have been doing all right uh, recently. Uh, we were waiting for this coach bump to happen when it went from Craig Berube to Drew Bannister. And, you know, finally we're kind of seeing that. And a surprise team coming out of the Central. What can you tell us about the way that the Blues have played? Uh, there's just been some resolve here in the, I don't know, last uh, handful, two handfuls of games. 13-6-1 uh, now under Drew Bannister, and they've reeled off. Five in a row, um, they've kind of happened in all different ways. Uh, I don't know if, especially the last four games, uh, all by four to three scores, if, if you can believe that. I don't believe that's ever happened before. Um, it's, it, it's, it's been pretty amazing. I don't know if it's sustainable, though, because when you're allowing three goals a game, that's, that's pretty tough in the NHL. That means, you know, 
some things are going right for you. I just think what they're getting right now is a lot of depth uh, production. You're getting some production here again out of Braden Shen, which it wasn't happening earlier in the year. You were relying uh, a whole lot on that Robert Thomas line with Pavel Buchnevich, whether Jordan Kyrou's on that been on that line, Jake Neighbors has been on that line. They've they've tried a couple of different people there and those guys were producing at a pretty good clip earlier in the year, but now you're getting the Shens, the Brandon Sods, uh, those kind of guys. Jake Neighbors now is playing on that line. Uh, you're getting production down below, and you're getting good goaltending. The numbers may not indicate it, but uh, uh, Jordan Biddington and uh, Joel Hofer certainly are playing well. Now, Lou, with that change, what has Drew Bannister brought behind the bench that was maybe different from Craig Berube? Um. I don't know if it's so much anything different, but there's just a different style of, of accountability. I think you saw right off the hop uh, whenever he took over, uh, he benched Pavel Buchnevich in a game for the third period. And uh, it, w- it was a game where they played down in Tampa. He took three minors in that game and all hooking penalties. You know, there, there, there's a common theme there. And, uh, you know, when, when you're holding one of your veteran players accountable, I think that resonates around the room. And uh, we've talked to him a number of times here and, uh, you know, he's not afraid to point out, you know, things that aren't going right or haven't been going right and and talking about specific players doing that. So um, I just think there's a level of accountability that he holds in a different manner. I don't think it's anything reflective on uh, what Craig Berube wasn't doing. You see it a lot. Uh, just a, a different voice sometimes tends to be uh, it, it can go one of two ways. Obviously, it, you know, it, it can go it can go wrong. We see what's uh maybe going on in Ottawa right now. It hasn't really translated over to a lot of wins, but, you know, it, it took a little bit, but so far here, uh, it's it's kind of, uh, it's happening. It, it, it didn't happen instantaneously, but uh, you're seeing things going well, uh, really well right now. I covered that team in 2019 where, you know, from January onward, uh, that team just caught fire, and a lot of it was because of Bennington. You got a rookie goaltender coming up, um, and just things started kind of clicking. Are there any similarities between, you know, a coaching change, a, a rookie goaltender coming in, and this team sort of catching fire as we're kind of going into February now? Well, they're going to they're gonna have to continue to play well. I mean, they're right there neck and neck uh, with the with a couple of other wildcard teams, the L.A. Kings, Nashville Predators. I don't I don't think there's really any I can't find too many similarities that that team in 2019 was pretty special. I mean, you, you know, you go from a. It was a veteran-laden team, other than, you know, Jordan Bennington, like you mentioned, a guy that came in and caught fire and just the team just really took off. Uh, this team's kind of doing it in a different fashion uh, right now. Uh, again, is it sustainable? I'm, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still not fully on board with this. Uh, but but you've got you've to take into account they've played a pretty, pretty tough schedule here in January and a lot of really, really good opponents that uh, you didn't know that this was going to be a make or break month for them. And you just didn't know if, if they were going to come out of this on the wrong end of it, that they could have really plummeted down in the standings. But uh, uh, I believe right now they're they're eight, three and one in the month. They've come out of it a lot better than I actually anticipated them doing. Uh, you've got to close it out here, though, to uh, on uh, on Tuesday against uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team you would expect to beat. And you would be feeling really good about yourself going into the all-star break with a six-game winning streak. But uh, 
we've seen so far, you know, they've played some of the teams below them in the standings and uh, they haven't fared well against them. So this will be a different test for them in this game and we'll see how they fare with it. But uh, they, they, they've matched up with these uh, top teams pretty well because I think they have a level of understanding that uh, if their play drops off, these teams are going to get them. And uh, so far it hasn't happened in the month of January. Now, I am curious uh, just how the fan base is feeling about the Blues right now. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, you know, sort of short-term versus long-term because obviously, you know, sort of 99% of Blues fans will remember the Stanley Cup win, uh, so that's fresh in their minds. You know, uh, they took a hit recently, but, you know, I was at the World Juniors in Sweden, and some of the most prominent players were St. Louis draft picks. Draft picks. You had Jimmy Snuggerud, Dalbor Dvorsky, Otto Stenberg, and Theo Lindstein was a breakout player for Sweden. So, you know, more help is coming. Uh, and that sort of younger generation, you've mentioned Jake Neighbors a couple of times. Obviously, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas aren't that old themselves. So, you know, should St. Louis fall short this season, how would the fan base feel if they had a, a higher draft pick or a higher draft slot than, you know, if, if they made it and, lo- and lost in the first round? Like, what are the expectations in town right now? I think there's a level of understanding just because of what happened last year. I think last year not making the playoffs was probably more of a shock because they had made it consecutively so many years in a row. And once once that initial shock happens, I think people do understand, okay, maybe you need to take a step or take a couple of steps back here. Um, nobody's ever really used the word rebuild around here. I think the word retool has been thrown around enough times where it gets people thinking, okay, they're not completely tearing this thing down and starting over again, but maybe just kind of doing a little bit of a reset. So um, I think people are of the expectation. uh, It could go either way, but there's always still that fan base where, you know, when you're used to winning, you get spoiled by it. And, you know, the franchise here has been used to making the playoffs um, you're not that far off of a win- winning a Stanley Cup and, quite frankly, having a couple of really, really solid years on the heels of that as well where you gave yourself a chance and it just didn't happen. So uh, when last year did happen and when they had the really good draft that, that and, and you've got some other draft picks that they got last year down in Nashville that, uh, that have also – you know, kind of hit the public eye here too. So I think fans are excited about that. And if somehow they did falter again this year, I think people would have that understanding that, okay, they're going to have a chance to maybe get some more good young players coming into this franchise. But if they should make the playoffs, I think that's always going to be the expectation with this fan base, just because of the level of success that they've had since Doug Armstrong took over here. Ryan mentioned Robert Thompson, and uh, I'm in Newmarket, Ontario, and I can't drive through Aurora, Ontario without seeing that sign that says, you know, home of Robert Thomas, uh, Stanley Cup champion. Um, you know, and yet I kind of get the feeling that, you know, what has he got, 35 goals this year, Lou? Something like that? Oh, sorry. 30, on pace. I'm, oh, sorry, on pace. Yeah, on pace. Maybe it. I'm thinking of 17 and 35 assists or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> But he's going to the All-Star game, and I, I get the feeling he's still kind of an underrated superstar uh, for the NHL. Like, how important has he been to the offense, especially, you know, that combo with him and Buchnevich? Um Seems like they're unstoppable these days. 
Oh, he's been he's been incredible for this team. Right now, if I had to pick uh, most valuable player for the Blues, uh, Jordan Bennington would certainly get some consideration with it because of the way he has played. Maybe not reflective of his numbers, but Robert Thomas has been fantastic. And uh, you could see the changing of the guard, really, to me, when they traded Ryan O'Reilly last year, that uh, they were ready to hand the keys to him. And uh, he hasn't disappointed so far. Uh, tied for the team lead in goals. Leads him in assists, leads him in points, leads him in plus minus. And he's, to me, probably what's most impressive is he's drawing all the top assignments and coming out of it quite well. I mean, he was he was the guy that ended Nathan McKinnon uh, last month when uh, McKinnon came in with, I believe it was a 19-game point streak and came out of St. Louis with nothing. And Robert Thomas was usually the guy on the ice. And you got to give Colton Pareko some credit there too. But whenever those forward matchups were there, Robert Thomas is getting – the top end guy. So he's doing it at both ends of the ice. And uh, like you said, he's still continuing to grow. There is room for improvement, especially for, and I still think there's more uh, crazy as it seems he's known as a passer and, and he's a tremendous passer. I still think there's more there from a goal scoring standpoint from him, but you can definitely see he's taken a couple of steps forward to me in that regard. Uh, Cause we, we'd be watching him in the press box and going, man, you're, you're passing up some, really good shooting opportunities and teams have been teams are picking up on that. And, you know, when you get the scouting report, you go, okay, give him the shot because he's not going to take it. He seems to be shooting the puck a lot more this year and really rounding out his game a lot more. Well, you tell him, I, he said, Mike Trakos told him that he's going to score 35 goals this year. Okay. Like, <laughs> listen, thanks for having, uh, thanks for joining us there, Lou. Uh, more hockey news pregame show coming up after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show, and we are going to go around the league now. Uh, again, we're sort of at the mid-season point uh, because All-Star break is upon us. So let's talk about some of the races, starting with the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Boston and Florida, cream of the division. After that, you got a bit of a knot of teams. You got Toronto, you got Tampa, you got Detroit. Who misses? out of those teams. Let's say two teams out of the three make it. Who do you think misses in the Atlantic? Oh, this is going to be a tough one. Like, obviously, Boston and Florida are probably two of my Stanley Cup contenders, so they're locks, 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, do I dare say Tampa Bay is going to miss the playoffs? You can dare. Oh, man. It's, it just seems like eventually it's going to happen. And I can't see Toronto falling out. They mm. just have too much firepower. Yeah. And if things get a little squirrely, I think they're either going to change the coach or make a big trade mm -hmm. or both. Right. So they're going to be in it. So I think Tampa and Detroit are going to be battling it out for one of those two wildcard spots. Yeah. I'm not, you know what, I, I, I still can't say Tampa's going to miss. I'm going to say Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, how can you, you say? You got spooked. Well, how can you say no to Stamkos and Kucherov and Braden Point and Sorelli and a team that just, they just get to the, the playoffs and they get to the final. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tampa. Uh, I'm going Detroit. Okay. Well, no, then you're sorry to Detroit because you're saying they're going to miss. 
I'm sorry I even mentioned Tampa in this breath. Wow. You know what? I, I think I am going to say Tampa. Oh, boy. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I know. I mean, mathematically, uh, Detroit, you know, can leapfrog them, you know, basically at any point because um, they have at least a game in hand. Toronto, I think the goaltending is sort of sorting itself out now. You know, Samsonov uh, has got a nice little streak going, so he's got his confidence back. And once Joseph Wool gets back on the ice, then you have a nice little tandem there, so you've got some security. And as you mentioned, they've got the firepower. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not too worried about Toronto. And you're right. I mean, they could make a big move if they had to before the deadline, whether it's behind the bench or the roster. Tampa Bay, it just feels like they've played so many games yeah. over the years. And sure, they had a short summer last year. Uh, sorry, they had a long summer last year because they did lose in the first round to Toronto. But the accumulation on all those veterans, it just feels like eventually, you know, you lose depth because of the salary cap, your core players get older. You know, eventually something has to break. So I, I think this, this could be the year. Tampa. Detroit a wildcard team though in your mind? I think so, but it'll be it'll be close because we're going to talk about the Metro now. I was going to say maybe two of those spots go to the Metro. It's very possible. Who makes it in the Metro? Because again, you've got, you know, the Rangers, Carolina at the top, Phillies there as well, but then you have the Devils, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus is out of it. Yeah. But who makes it? from the Metro. Okay, so Philly is there right now. Mm -hmm. And put an asterisk next to Philadelphia because they've lost five in a row, Ryan. And, you know, all the power to them. I think this has been a great first half. But mm -hmm. if they end up missing in the second half, I think that's still growth for that team. Yep. And they can build on that. But for my money, I think the Islanders make it. The coaching change is a huge bump. I'm Hasn't been so far. <laughs> it's going to happen. All right. <laughs> Pittsburgh... I, I never vote against Sidney Crosby. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to make it as a wildcard team. And I think the Devils, we haven't seen the end of them. Um, they're going to be a top three team, I think, in that division. So I'm going Devils as a top three team in the mm -hmm. Metro, and then Islanders in Pittsburgh, and I guess Tampa uh, would be jockeying for those final three spots, mm. or final two spots. In the, the wildcard spots. Yeah. I'm with you on New Jersey. I think they've had some bad injury problems. And, you know, once all their guys get healthy, Sounds like Jack Hughes is going to be there for the All-Star game. That's right. And even if he doesn't do much, it's good to know that he's on the road to recovery there. So I think New Jersey's locked in. I still believe in Philly. Do you really? Yeah, I do, because they're not doing it with smoke and mirrors. They it's like very working like second half, Ryan. They might not, but Samuel Urson has gotten the job done, and they're the sort of team that it doesn't really feel like it matters who the goalie is right now because mm -hmm. they're they're playing that John Tortorella hockey. They're getting buy-in. You know, Owen Tippett's having a fantastic season. You mentioned sure. Sean Couturier earlier uh, in the show, so I'm a, I'm going to stick with. It. I'm a believer there. Um, moving over to the Central. We talked about Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr earlier in the show for Colorado. Is this Colorado's division at this point? We did see Winnipeg take over first place at one point, but is this all abs in your mind? In my mind it is, and I was actually surprised when I looked at the standings that Colorado's at, sitting at 67 points, one point ahead of the Dallas Stars, yeah. and Winnipeg is only two points back. Yeah, It's tighter than I actually thought it was. Mm -hmm. um, so... Do I think it's going to remain that tight? I could see Colorado really kind of stretching things out, and I think it is their division to lose. I think it's the, their conference to lose. Um, mm. Right now, the way they're playing, 
I think the Avs are my number one contender for the Stanley Cup. You throw in the fact that they've got a Zach Parise now. True. They're going to get a Landeskog eventually, maybe before the end of the season or at least in the playoffs. Such a dangerous team. Yeah, the, the Central belongs to the Colorado Avalanche, despite what the standings might suggest. Mm. I'm going to go a different philosophy here in that Colorado knows that they don't need to win the division mm. in order to be a Stanley Cup favorite. I, I kind of feel that's the same way for Dallas as well. Uh, so I could see Winnipeg winning the division uh, because for them, it's like there's, you know, they're moving in the right direction, and I think a division title would mean a lot for the Jets just in terms of legitimizing what they've done throughout the season. Here's but the I will say Colorado and Dallas are very scary in my mind in the playoffs. Sorry, but if you don't win the division, then you either got to play Dallas or Winnipeg in the first round. So there, there's the, your incentive. There is good mo- That's a very good point. There is a lot of motivation. Right. Do I want to face Jake Ottinger in the first round? Do I want to mm. face Connor Hellebuck in the first round? Right. Or do I want to take a chance against a wildcard team that might be, I don't even know who's it. Might be St. Louis? Yeah. I'll, yeah. Ta- I'll take my chances with the Blues. That's a very good point. Or if there's a crossover from the Pacific Division in the wild card, and we'll talk about them uh, last year. Who wins the division? Because Edmonton is ascending, but Vegas and Vancouver are also there. Yeah, so Vancouver right now has got a healthy lead, 71 points uh, right now. Edmonton sitting at 59. I'm going on record right now saying Edmonton wins the division. Wow. um, Or at the very least finishes second. I think it's going to look either Vegas and Edmonton, one and two, Mm -hmm. and Vancouver in number three spot, maybe even as a wildcard team. I'm not sold now right now on... Uh, the Canucks kind of being able to kind of, you know, finish strong. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm a believer in the Canucks. There you go. I think Rick Tockett will keep them, you know, where they need to be in the right headspace. And I am a Thatcher Demko believer. I think Edmonton is going to be obviously one of the top teams in the division. But I think there's just too much ground to make up for them to actually clinch it in the end. Because, again, they don't need to finish first to be a dangerous playoff team. One uh, final thing, LA Kings, playoff team or non-playoff team in the second half? Oh, it's looking bad. Yeah, I say no. Okay, fair enough. Ryan, you know what time it is, right? It's rapid fire time. All right, producer Connor, hit us up with some questions. Somehow we have neglected this all episode, and I'm thankful because it gave me an easy rapid fire. There you go. All-star skills competition, Friday night. Let's predict it. Mm -hmm. Great. Who doesn't love predictions? We'll start off with... I don't even know if you need to do this one because we already know who's going to win. Fastest skater. Okay, I have... I'm going dark horse here. Okay. Yes. I'm saying Kale McCarr. And I'm saying that because he wiped out during a previous fastest skater competition and I think he's going to get revenge. So that's my dark horse. I know he's not the favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's going to want to make amends. Uh, Connor McDavid, 100%. Uh, the event's in Toronto. It's not far from where Connor grew up. So, yeah, I don't think he wants to lose in front of his so-called hometown friends. I side with you. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, most likely answer. Yeah. Not going to win much money answer. on this one, though. Yeah. No. You might win a fair bit of money on this one because I have no idea who could win the hardest shot. Yeah, this is interesting because you don't have a lot of, like, Big time slap shot guys in no this one competition. Takes slap shots anymore. It's mostly guys with wicked wristers. So I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon okay. because he's got a lot of power to his game. I was thinking Drysaddle as well, but I'm going to go Nate McKinnon because he can really lean into a shot. Yeah, I'm going Austin Matthews. I think he's the biggest guy here. Um, you know, you need weight to move weight. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. 
Interesting. I'm surprised you didn't go with a defenseman. Quinn Hughes? Yeah, I was going to say. Kale He's McCarr? like my size. I could see a kill in the car. Hey. Maybe. Let's stick shooting. Accuracy shooting. All right. Accuracy shooting. I'm going Nikita Kucherov. I don't have a huge logic on this, but... He's pretty accurate. He's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, JT Miller, I think, won back when it was in Tampa. Oh. Uh, I think he won a, might have gone four for four or four for five. So let's go with JT Miller. Um, throw those PDO stats guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> some shade. Uh, you got to give me Austin Matthews. Austin's shot is ridiculous. That's a good one. Yeah. Stick handling. I'm not entirely sure what this means or what the event will be, but who is the best stick handler? I'm going to go with Jack Hughes on this one. I've been watching him since he was 15, and his hands are incredible. I feel like this is an event sort of tailor-made for his skill set. Uh, I'm going to go William Nylander. Um, again, he, he can stick handle in a, a phone booth, as they say. Right. So, yeah, I like Nylander for that one. All right, brand new event, one-timers. Mm. Who's going to win one-timers? I'm going to go Austin Matthews on this one. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty competitive mm-hmm. category, but Austin Matthews, I mean, when you're talking about goal scoring, hard to beat him these days. Yeah, this might be, like, the best, like, true event in terms of they all, you know, rely on a one-timer. I, I like Kucherov. Um, you know, we think about Tampa, we think about Steven Stamkos, but Kucherov, a hell of a one-timer as well. Yeah. All right. I'm surprised neither of you picked Leon Dreisaitl. I feel like he's going to be he's coming really up. good at He's this. coming up. Don't That's you worry. That's a good one, too. Yep. Final one of the first round, passing. So putting the puck in the little nets. Yeah. So I'm going to go Nikita Kucherov on this one because, as you, you know, as you're pointing out, I mean, with Tampa Bay, they've got guys that can do both, and all those cross seam, you know, uh, uh, cross ice passes are, are great. I feel Nikita Kucherov. He's so smart. Uh, that he would know exactly how to hone in on those tiny nets, which I will say, in previous All-Star games, guys have told me, I meant Bobby Ryan in particular, like, that's the one event that the players respect the most because they know how hard it is, even if it's not necessarily the best TV. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl for me. Uh, best passer in the NHL, bar none. Like, ever since Joe Thornton retired, this is, Leon Dreisaitl is the greatest passer in the NHL. Mm. Uh, fight me on this one. Don't at me. Kale <laughs> uh, McCarr, I feel like a defenseman is going to be very good at this. And I remember historically they typically are pretty decent. Nice. Let's go to round two, one-on-one, which is the breakaways. Each player picks a goalie, and then they just shoot on that goalie. Mm. I'm going to go with McDavid. This is going to begin a theme for me. I believe he's going to step up in the playoff round, and it will begin with the one-on-ones. Uh, let's go Jack Hughes. The guy's creative as heck, man. All right, final round, and then I won overall as well. Mm-hmm. Round three is the obstacle course. We don't really know what's going to go into it, but what is your predictions for the obstacle course? Okay, so I'm going to go with Connor McDavid again on this. I feel like this is his competition to win, and obstacle course, I know that McDavid has done the Power Edge Pro Camps for years. A number of these guys have. Yeah. Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, I've seen them there as well. But, yeah, you're right, Connor. We don't know what it's going to look like, but I feel McDavid will be prepared for anything. Uh, I like Jack Hughes. Um, it's a good one. Yeah, again, he can skate, stick handle, do it all. Mm. All right, give me the overalls. Who wins uh, overall? I'm going to go McDavid again. I like your hometown theory, <laughs> Yeah. and so I'm going to go McDavid. 
Jack Hughes is kind of from Toronto. He played for the Toronto Marlies. He did. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jack Hughes. Uh, listen, I, I can't wait for the All-Star break. Uh, this was the Hockey News pregame show. That's Ryan Kennedy on Michael Trakos. Thank you to NorthlandHockey.com and BetMGM. See you next time at the rink.